Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. I want to first of all appreciate um, Pastor Matt and I know Pastor Jonathan. They work very hard um, every week, and I know they had a void to fill in because uh, my family and I were not here last week. We were on family vacation, which was a blessing, so much of a blessing. Thank you all for letting us go and do that. We appreciate that. Thank you all for filling in and, and for, you know, it's, it's awesome to know that I don't have to lay there at the hotel bed or wherever thinking, oh no, I hope the church is okay because I know it's okay. I know it was. I know it was in good hands. So I appreciate what they have done, what they always do and continue to do. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Give them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well-deserved. Well deserved. I appreciate the opportunity to get to get away for a little bit and breathe a little bit. And, yeah, but uh, the, the problem is, is I don't know if y'all do this, we do this, but we'll, we'll take a, a week off and try to cram like four weeks worth of stuff into it. And so we get back and we're still a little bit jet lagged, a little, little tired from it. But we had a good time. We had a really good time. So thank you. So at this time, let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Starting at verse 6, we're going to read through verse 13. Um, I'm actually going to go back to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3 after that. Um, I didn't write that down, but um, I want to do that. I was just going to bring it up, but I, I want you to read this in the red letters. All right, Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 6. If you've got it, say, I got it. Come on, do it with some swagger. Tell the enemy, I got it. Yeah, I love it. Yes, you sound awesome today. Here we go. Matthew 26, verse 6. And when Jesus was in Bethany, that's the house. When Jesus was in Bethany, he was in the house. At the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. Why would y'all sing that today? I think God's trying to tell us something. I think he really is. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. And when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil may have been sold for much and given to the poor. But Jesus was aware of it. Aren't you glad he's aware? And he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she's done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. And assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Hmm. Some heavy words. Those heavy words began in his ministry that he started Sermon on the Mount. 
found in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. To begin the Beatitudes. To begin the way in which He wants you to live so that you could stay close to Him. On the Sermon of the Mount. I mean, the Sermon of the Mount. That'll come out here in just a minute. It wasn't a Freudian slip. Because it is sometimes about an amount. No, I'm not asking for $32.32 and put it on the altar. I'm saying it's, there, there's got to come a, a time in your life. There has to come a moment in your life. And sometimes that moment is more than once. In fact, oftentimes it's more than once. Where you have to be willing to break the seal and pour it out knowing you're not going to get it back in. But believing you'll have more in return than what could ever fit in the bottle in the first place. If I'm not making sense, hold on to me. We'll get there. Matthew chapter 5. Starting at verse 3. Actually, just reading verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father, I know we've been praying and in prayer. And I pray. It is my deep yearning and groaning that the whole sermon be a prayer. That the whole time from 10.30 to whatever time it is you have for us to get out. That it be a moment of prayer. A moment of meeting with you. A moment of conversing with you. Where we speak to you. And Lord let us also listen as you speak to us. I know a calling has gone forward. I believe with all of my heart that the trumpet of God is sounding. Calling your people to gather together at the base of the mountain of God. Ready to see your glory and your power. Lord, I want to thank you that you've chosen us. Just as your word says, you've chosen us. We didn't choose you. You chose us first. Everybody in this room, you chose us first. You chose us first. So Lord, may we in this moment choose you. Choose to sit with you, be with you, listen to you, hear you, receive from you, give to you. We choose. And in Jesus' name, we choose. Amen. Amen. The passage of Scripture we began with is a very familiar passage of Scripture for a lot of you. Some of you may have not ever heard it before, but most of you have. It's a passage I've preached before, and to be honest with you, it was a passage I wrestled with a little bit. I've got a, I've got a cooler passage I could use in a, different pas- in a different part of the Bible I may reference, and I was going to use it, but something just kept drawing me back to this moment right here, this moment where Jesus is on His way. What is He on His way to? He's on His way to the cross. He's on His way to the trial. He's on His way to the scourging. He's on His way to the cross. He's on His way to stare at and face death itself. Eyeball to eyeball. The plot is thickening. The plot in this moment we read is thickening. 
The same passage of Scripture happens also in Mark chapter 14. Mark, we learned Wednesday night. And if you miss Wednesday night, man, you miss, you miss a lot. We are so heavy and weighted on Wednesday night in the Word of God. We learn Mark, uh, Wednesday night, we learned about the book of Mark, how Mark was the personal secretary for Peter. And so Mark writes his gospel in accordance with everything Peter says to write about. He's sitting down with Peter and, and he's, all right, Peter, you tell me from your perspective, which we also believe in the infallible Word of God, which means that Holy Spirit was directing Peter what to say as Mark was being directed. The pen of Mark was being directed on what to write exactly in the way to write it. How many of you believe that God does that kind of stuff? And God is involved. I'm so glad He's involved. I'm so glad that my confusion and chaos of life doesn't keep Him away. How many of you ever told God, it's complicated? Have you ever been there? Have you ever just been praying and pouring and just, just, just wrenching those guts out and really you, the only thing you could say to sum it all up was just to step back and say, God, it's complicated. Or maybe you began with that. Maybe before you even walked into your prayer closet, you said, God, I'm sorry, this is going to be complicated. Because there's a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of facets to it. There's a lot of strings into it. I have learned that life gets complicated. Even when you try very hard for it not to be. Why is it that the best knot you could ever tie in anything is to just neatly wind your Christmas lights up and neatly place them in a box? And neatly put that box in the attic. And then come around next year, you pull that neat box out. And you open the neat box up. And you look in, and it looks like crate, like Medusa's hairdresser is in there. And you pull one string, and it's all like one big wad. Has anybody else ever noticed that? We have one drawer that all of the cords to all of our cell phones and tablets and all of that Hoopalooza stuff. It all goes in this one drawer. And all I want, all I want in life is to open that drawer and pull one cord out. That's all I want. But I will pull one out and they're all like, Wah! all over everything. And I didn't do anything to deserve that. I just put my cord in there. That's all I did. But yet life is like that. But I'm so thankful Jesus is right in the middle of that, helping us sort it out. As the plot thickens, Jesus doesn't run away from the plot. Jesus becomes the plot. Jesus steps in and says, I want to be in the middle of this. In fact, I want it to all be about me, but I'm inviting you in. I'm inviting you in to be a part of this. I'm inviting you in to know me. I'm inviting you in to go deeper. I'm inviting you in. There's an invitation that has gone forward, just as it was an invitation for you to come and be, to pray and, and, and to let God refresh you. There's an invitation going forward in His church right now. And I don't think it was by accident that the church came through COVID and just the world was, was and, and the church world was weird as we go and, and migrate through all of that. 
I think more than a migration, it was an evolution. Not from a Darwinian perspective, but from a perspective that God has allowed that plot to thicken in this world. And in the thickening of the plot, at the beginning of the thickening of the plot, he sits down in a house. He sits down in a house called the house of Simon the leper. A house in Bethany, which is the suburbs of Jerusalem. And as Mark writes, and as Matthew writes, Mark writing from Peter who was sitting over there, Matthew writing from himself who was sitting over there, as they write, they write from the perspective of, oh, something about this moment grabbed our hearts. Because Jesus didn't just say something, He did something. He did something in this moment. He revealed to us not just a lesson or a Bible school lesson or, a, or something that we could be taught. He revealed Himself to us. Something that we didn't think was possible until He did. That's what Revelation does. It reveals and opens up a possibility from God's perspective, not ours. From John's perspective, it wasn't possible to, st- to step up and stroll in heaven. But from God's perspective, He says, I'll make it happen. You just be willing to hang with me when the plot thickens. So as the plot thickens in this world, how many of you are willing to hang with him? So as the plot is thick, we know the plot's thickening because just before all of this, a dude by the name of Judas is already starting to figure out, I've got to betray him somehow, some way. The enemy has already entered into him in such a way where he's trying to figure out how this is going to work. Now, part of Judas betraying him, the biggest part of that was the fact that Judas was wanting this to work out the way he wanted it to work out. How many of you have ever had that happen in your life? And it got messy, and you pulled that string out, and it was like, okay. Judas, who was in charge of the money, Judas, who was the one that most likely spoke up and said, what is this? Because he spoke up at another time. This happened twice to Jesus. We don't know if it's two different persons or the same Mary to do both of them. We don't exactly know that, but we know twice he gets anointed. But the setup of this one is just a little bit different. Because in the middle of Jesus getting ready to step into the biggest spiritual warfare that the disciples had ever known until this time. Jesus allows a moment to go into a house and sit down with his people. And in the sitting down of himself, his presence in the house, something happens. Something happens. Something that doesn't look like much happens. Something that at first, looking at it, was a head-scratcher. Something that at first, it didn't make sense. Didn't make a whole lot of sense at first. I've learned with God that if it doesn't make sense, if He's told you and led you to do something, and it doesn't make sense right now, hang with it. It will. Because He sees the end from the beginning. He's not bound by time. He works the end out at the same time, he's setting you up at the beginning. He's working it all. I, how many of you, when you think about that, it just blows your mind? That's okay. That's a good place to be in. 
If you ever get to the place where, you're, where God doesn't blow your mind anymore, you're becoming narcissistic. Get it out. Let it go. It's not worth it. So at that place where head scratches, at the place of where we go from here, at the place of the plot thickening, at the place of the house of Bethany, the house of Simon the leper, Jesus settles in a place of a house of a guy by the name of Simon the leper. How would you like to be called? John the sinner. Right? Not Bob the builder. Bob the cursed one. Right? How would you like to be called Bob the ugly one? No, no one here names Bob, are you? If you are, my apologies. I'll say Justy. How about that? How would you like to be called Justy? The one who struggles. Justy, the unqualified one. Justy, the one that shouldn't be blessed like he is. How would you like to be called that? Justy, the one who messed up and got frowned on one day. Justy, the one who got drugged through the mud 20 years ago and he's still looking muddy. Justy. How would you like to be called that? And yet here is Simon, the leper. Now I want to go deeper on this for just a second. Most likely at this time, he's not the leper anymore. If he was, he wouldn't be able to sit in his house with people around him. By law, he couldn't do that. By law, he was supposed to have, if he had leprosy, he was supposed to stay outside the city gates. You got to stay outside where it says the city limits of hot springs are and stand there with a cardboard box that says, please, anything helps. That's where you're supposed to be if you have leprosy. Most people at that time believed leprosy was a curse. Leprosy was a curse by God. In other words, ooh, he did something wrong. God's going to get you. Right? Some point in time in his life, he come down with this stuff. But a lot of people believe the story of Jesus healing the ten lepers. And one comes back to give thanks. A lot of theologians believe that's Simon. He was called Simon the leper because there were a lot of different Simons. Simon Peter. Simon the Pharisee. Simon of Serene. Simon was a pretty common name. So what made him stand out was the fact that he once had leprosy and now he does it. And sometimes, sometimes God has allowed some stuff to happen into your life. For him to do something for you in the middle of that stuff. To show you his power. And every time the enemy makes you think of that stuff again. It's an opportunity for you to say, yeah, but Jesus is in my house right now. Jesus is with me right now. I know what you did back there was what you did back there, but I'm right here right now, and Jesus is right here in my living room. Jesus is right here eating my food. Jesus is right here. We are, we are sharing a spot of tea right here and tea and crumpets right here in my living room. So it does not matter what you have done in the past. I am right here. And I'm right here because I decided to be thankful. I decided to, to come back.
I decided to not go my own way and make another tangled up ball of mess. I decided to come back to Jesus and let now Jesus take over not just me, not just my skin, but my whole house. Everything. It's a consecration. And what God is calling us to, that trumpet that sounds forward, just as it sounded in in the book of of, uh, Exodus. Just as it sounded forward, it was a sound not just as an invitation, but first as a consecration. Here's what I'm going to say to you for real. If you are a child of God, act like it. If you are a child of God and you got Jesus stamped on your forehead, don't cover it up with Satan's turban. If you are a child of God, it's time for you to put some stuff aside. It's time for you to let some things go. It's time for you to look up instead of down. If you're a child of God, I'm asking you to act like it. I'm asking you to put some childish things away. I'm asking you to stiffen up and straighten up. I'm asking you to look up. I'm asking you to throw your shoulders back. I'm asking you to quit playing the victim. It's time that the people of God quit playing the victim card. Because that victim card's covered in blood. And now that's not who you are anymore. You're now victor. And so everything that you do is from victory. Not for victory, from victory. And that will make you change the way you do things. When you pray from victory, you'll change the way you pray. You're not praying for victory, you're praying from victory. It's time for you to change. Straighten up. Fly right. Get a haircut and get a real job. Whatever that old song used to say. Some of you don't have to straighten up as much as others. But God is asking you, at that invitation, at that sound of the trumpet call, He's saying it's time. It's time to purge some stuff out. Y'all okay? Y'all got quiet. It's time to go through your house and take some stuff and throw it out that doesn't need to be there. I was talking with a gentleman not too long ago who is raising his granddaughter. And as he's raising his granddaughter, he says his granddaughter, of course, is just wrapped up in everything the world's wrapped up in. And he said every night that she's not in there, some, sometimes she spends the night with other guardians and things like that. It's complicated. He said every night I'm, I'm, I'm pacing around her bed and I'm praying and I'm laying hands on it and I'm asking God to move. And he said, all of a sudden, she started coming to me and she started saying, Hey, Granddad, I don't want to do this anymore. Hey, Granddad. Hey, Granddad, there's some people I'm going to quit hanging out with. Hey, Granddad, I'm, I'm tired of watching these kind of movies. Hey, hey Granddad, I, I, I don't want to even drink some of the same stuff that other my friends were having me drink. Hey, hey Granddad, she's, she's 14 years old and she's already coming into a revelation of it's time to let some stuff go. It's time to let some stuff go. You go through your house. You pray over it. Let some stuff go. 
Get rid of some leaven. Get rid of some sin. Get rid of some sin in your own personal life, in your own personal house. And I know I'm talking to, I, I realize, guys, I know I'm talking to a group of people that probably has never sinned a day in their life anymore. Maybe I'm talking to me. Get some of that stuff out. It's time to get some of that out. And as Jesus settles into that house that he's been invited in, Imagine the atmosphere where somebody over here is making chicken and dumplings. Somebody over here, they're just kind of figuring out what life would be like. You know, all the disciples, they're kind of, they're kind of tired because they've been through a lot. Some of the disciples over here are still, their head is still reeling because Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. So they're like, man, that was still cool. I wonder what we've got in store for us. So you've got all kind of like... At the 4th of July, or our fish fry the other night, how you had all of these conversations going on in the house, and they were all kind of going this one direction. And then the next thing you know, you... you, you, you. Now, for me, at my house, it's bacon. When you, when you, when you, there's bacon cooking, something's up. The plot is thickening. Daddy's got a hankering for something. Right? I know I grew up and it was Folgers, the Folgers commercial, right? Everybody woke up with, that's with the smell of Folgers. And what was amazing is in that commercial, they'd, they'd wake up and they would sit up and they had their hair perfect. And their makeup was already on. No morning breath. Because they came down and gave the, the guy a big kiss, right? All because Folgers was in the house. The aroma got things stirred up. The aroma got things moving. The aroma started moving everybody in one direction. And as all of everybody is talking about their own stuff and their own life and their own world, one person said, I'm going to make this moment about him. I'm going to make it about him. Unnamed in this moment, possibly Mary, we don't know. Could be Mary, brother to Lazarus. Could be Mary Magdalene. We've heard all, all kinds of theories about this. All I know is without even a name, she's called the one who is remembered for worshiping Jesus. When everybody else was doing their own thing, she walks in with an alabaster flask or a box. Some say box, some say flask, most likely a marble white jar that is sealed on the top in such a way that there's no going back. Like trying to put toothpaste back in your tooth, tooth tube, toothpaste tube, right? Once it's squirted out, it's done. We know it was costly. We know it costs her about a year's wage, somewhere around 300 denarii. Translation, a denarii was one day's wage. So 300 days wage. A year's wage. To work an entire year for this. Some say it was her dowry. Some say she was holding on to it for the time she was going to be married. Some say that she got it from prostitution. There's all kinds of theories. And I don't want you to get so caught up in the theory as in the reality 
that true worship costs something. True worship will cost you something. Oh, it will. From the Old Testament sacrifice to the New Testament sacrifice of praise, it costs you something. True worship is not true worship unless it's precious to you. Why do you think the enemy is fighting you for your time so hard? Because the closer we get, the more precious time is. You know what I'm talking about. Those of you who had loved ones and the closer their time gets, you know that that time is more precious. Right? And the closer time gets, the more precious time will be. And that's why he's fighting you for it. He's fighting you so hard for it. God is asking you with this invitation. Number one, to consecrate yourself. Number two, bring him something costly. And I know that's a hard saying. I get that. I get that. But if it doesn't cost you anything, it's not going to mean anything. If it doesn't move you, it doesn't move him. If it doesn't move you and it doesn't move him, it doesn't move the world. It doesn't change the atmosphere of the room. Bringing something cheap does not change the atmosphere of the room. Okay, here's an example. From now on, I'm not going to spend any time studying on sermons. Because I got time. I got, I got too much other stuff to do to feed y'all a sermon. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get here and just going to throw my Bible out. We'll play Bible roulette. I'm going to just throw it out there on the ground. I'm going to spin around and then I'm just wherever my big toe lands. That's what I'll preach on. Sound like a deal? It's got to cost something for it to mean something. We learned that, um, we, we've learned that in, in other areas of ministry, that if there's no skin in the game, ain't no skin in the game. If there's no skin in the game, it's easy to go, maybe. If there's no skin in the game, there's nothing to tie you. If there's no connection there then there's nothing to cut. There's no tie to cut. And I can just let you go on by and let things always remain the same. That's why Jesus said these crazy things like, take up your cross and follow me. The word I want to give you today is this. And I'm wrapping this up. Brother Matt, if y'all if want to come, if you, if you feel led to do that, come on back up. Told you at the beginning in January how in my prayer time and in our time of just seeking what God wanted for this year, God said this is the year for promotion. 
This is the year for promotion. And I know, woohoo, it means we get paid more. Maybe. I've learned a long time ago promotion means more responsibility. Right? I, uh, when I worked for hospice, and I went from part time hourly to full time salary. I wanted to go back down to part-time hourly because <laughs> I got paid more and had less responsibility. But in this case, here's what's happening. Jesus has allowed a woman to come into His presence in such a way that it moved Him continually. Here's what I mean by that. You ever wondered why she dumped it on his head? Before, the first time this happened, the lady washed her feet, or washed his feet with the oil. This time, both Matthew and Mark said dumped on the head. The head. The first time it was, I serve you. I wash your feet. But the second time, I'm invited to friendship isn't it amazing how the face of God is often begun by the feet of God that where you serve God and you wash his feet is often an invitation coming later for you to see his face and here's what God told me to tell somebody you've been washing his feet and he appreciates that so much so that he's willing to sit back down and say, come here. And open up another opportunity for you to begin pouring your love on his face, on his head. And that meant so much to Jesus. Because Jesus, just days later, is about to have great drops of blood pour from his brow. And that blood was still mixed with the spike nard. And so instead of smelling the blood, he smells the spike nard. Because the spike nard was precious. It came from a group of trees that grew at a high altitude in China, in India, Nepal. It was extracted like an essential oil from the root of the spike nard little tree or little bush or little flower and they would extract that from the roots the essential oil and it was so precious because it it came so far to get to the Middle East area to Jerusalem it was so precious because it was expensive and it would remain By the Bible Dictionary, by Easton Bible Dictionary, it said that the fragrance was put in the hair because the hair would smell like it for weeks. They didn't have suave or... What is it? Garnier Fructis? They didn't have that back in the day. So what did they do? They would put it in their hair so that their hair would smell good. At this point, moment. He needed that. He wanted that in his hair so that as they put the crown of thorns around his head and the blood was running down his face, it was mixing with the worship that she poured out on him. 
That's why he could say, when the gospel goes forward, so does the worship moves me. And it lets me be reminded why I'm doing what I'm doing. It helps me fight the flesh. It is a glorious moment to Him. Glory. Because the hair was called in the Bible days the glory. It was a covering. It was a flowing. It was a covering. And so in that covering, in that flowing, in that glory is worship. Expensive, extravagant worship. So that is He hung on a cross. Instead of smelling sour wine, He's smelling spikenard. Someone who was willing to say, I'll bust my everything to give it my all. Because you deserve it. He's inviting you by invitation to move from the feet place to the head place. Let's all stand and I'm going to I got one more illustration and I'm giving it to you. You ever had one of those moments that it was kind of a pass-by moment but it just grabbed you and it made you just keep thinking and keep thinking and keep thinking and keep thinking? Let me explain what I'm talking about. So as we were going from our hotel to the cruise port, we had to get a shuttle because I didn't want to drive in Miami. So we got a shuttle from the airport to the cruise, I mean from the hotel to the cruise port. And we called the shuttle, the hotel did, the guy came and he walked in and he smelled like more cologne than what any one person should smell like. But I've smelled worse, so it was okay. We get in his forerunner and he takes us and he's whipping. The crazy thing is, is he can barely speak English, but he can read all of these English signs. And we start to pull in. And he looks at me and in a broken English, he says, have fun. And I said, well, that's the plan. He said, oh, you'll have a great time. I bring many people here and they all have a great time. Here, call me when you get back and I'll take you back to the hotel. You have a great time. I said, oh, really? He said, oh, yeah, you're, yes, you, I pro- you have a great time. Good time. Yeah, oh, great. I was like, oh, really? And I said, how many cruises have you been on? I said, you are here every day, sometimes 30 times a day through the weekend, taking people there and bringing them off. And I said, how many cruises have you been on? Oh, I never cruised a day in my life. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. He said, but I just know everybody comes off and they've had a good time. So much so I have to help some of them into the car. Some of you have ever been on a cruise, you know what I'm talking about. And I started to walk away because the little shuttle thing, we already gave him the tip. And I started to walk away and I thought, ah, that bothers me. That you could be this close to something and never experience it for yourself. You know where I'm going with this. And here's the invitation. God says, no longer am I calling you just to come and go. 
but to dwell. But you got to make yourself poor in spirit because those blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is yours. As they begin to take another moment of worship, I myself am going to come down and I'm just going to pray, God, don't let me miss you. Don't let me miss you. Don't let me miss the invitation. If you're someone that you've been serving God faithfully, and you're now been wondering, where is this going? God said, get ready. The face place is coming. The invitation for the face of God is here. If you want to accept it, accept it whatever way you want. You want to pray there, pray there. Lay on the floor, kneel, whatever it is. Accept that invitation. However it is, you need to accept it. Take a moment. You and God. Accept that invitation.
Yes, we do, Lord. We love you. We do love you. So, Father, I pray that you help us to hear spiritually deep down that call, that invitation, that promotion that moves us from just serving you at foot level to worshiping you at face level. No longer are we called to bring people to the gospel and not enjoy the presence ourselves. But we're called from this day forward to enjoy your presence in such a way that it creates an aroma and an atmosphere that changes the world around us. Father, those that have been holding on faithfully, the reward is the kingdom of heaven. And those that have been poor in spirit, realizing that they're willing to let things of this world go, to stay hanging on to You, Lord, let that reward come. The kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And if you love Him, say Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand of praise. I know I held y'all ten minutes over. That's y'all's fault. Y'all let me on vacation last week. God bless you. We love you. Go and be blessed. Go and do blessed. Go and be a blessing to all around you. God bless you. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.